Hello, folks. Welcome to the 37th episode of the Superhero FX Podcast. My name is Matthew Westfox. I'm one of your hosts. Um, and today we've got something really special going on. Um, we have Matt Carroll, who is one of the co-hosts of the MCU uh, cast, the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast, which is one of the first podcasts I listened to and really got me inspired to, to start this podcast myself. Um, he, he's going to be joining us today for a, a discussion about one of the most interesting characters in the MCU, Tony Stark. So, Matt, how are you doing today? Hey, hey, Matthew. Thank you so much for having me. It really, it truly is an honor. I've been enjoying your cast. Awesome. And, and uh, you know, you got, it, it's, it's really, uh, it feels great to say that we helped inspire it in some small way because uh, you really do uh, tackle much bigger issues on your show <laughs> than we do. We're just, we're, we're a lot more focused on the, the cinematic universe itself. And we talk about you know those bigger issues, but it's more in the in the mind of in that fanboy way of like, who who what's gonna happen next instead of like, <laughs> what does it mean to my personal you know <laughs> my own personal ethics. Well, and I gotta, uh, I, I love that. I gotta say I, I really appreciate hearing that, but I also think we need both because I know there are times when I get off uh, finishing this podcast and I've I've dabbed, you know dive deep into Captain America and his ethics and his politics, and I just want to talk about how cool fight scenes were. Um, that's yeah, why I love you absolutely. guys too. So I think I think it's a real value for both. Um, and I'm really glad we're going to get the two of us together for this conversation. So yeah, um, man, excited to be here. Cool. Well, let's dive right into it. Um, uh, we picked Tony Stark because I think Tony Stark is probably one of the the richest characters in the entire MCU in terms of just all the the questions he raises and and good and bad and all this kind of stuff. And so let me just start with like, what's what's your kind of general impression of Tony Stark in terms of like. Is he a hero? Is he an anti-hero? Is he a, um, mm. you know, some kind of a? Uh, he's gone on a journey. Like, what? Where do you see Tony Stark? Well, he's he's definitely gone on a journey, and, and you can really look at the entire scope of what he's done. You know, he was a playboy with no. Uh, he just he he has an assumption that everything he's doing is good, and that yeah. and I think that is like a big part of him that has never stopped. He always has this assumption until Ultron. He had this assumption that everything he was doing was good. He had this, he had this family who was running this weapons company. And he just assumed that he is so confident in that first scene of the first movie. He's so confident standing in front of that, that bomb that's being dropped. And he's like, look what we do that. We're protecting America with these bombs. We're building, we're building war machines, but it's for America. And we're proud to do what we do. Um, and then he continues to do that, and then even then he realizes his company's wrong, and he builds Iron Man, and he kind of loses the idea. He becomes a little disillusioned with the idea that other people being involved yeah. in his decision-making are good. So then he builds this whole Iron Man program, but he's very much holds it in his own hands as if he is the arbiter of what is good and bad, and he has the that he has him having the final decision-making power somehow makes it ethical. <laughs> and then he I, I think yeah. that's a great point, yeah, because he he he, cha- he starts to challenge the idea of his own confidence, but but really at first it's just his confidence in others. He is still convinced that if he puts on the suit, he can do no wrong. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, he he loses he's disillusioned with others, but then for all the way through, you know, Iron Man two, Avengers, and Iron Man three, he is still fully convinced that he, everything he's doing is right. Right. Um, then, then, then there's an interesting turn in Avengers into Iron Man three. It's not so much an ethical turn as it is a a confidence turn. Um, he starts to doubt himself, but still not doubting that he would do the right thing. He's doubting his own ability to face what's out there. Once he goes through the portal in Avengers and sees the sees the bigger world, um, 
you know, since he's the bigger universe and the things he has is going to have to face, he, he goes to a crisis of confidence, but still all the while knowing that he's doing the right thing. It isn't until he almost destroys the planet in Age of Ultron with his inventions yeah. that, that were all well-meaning. It's then he finally goes, you know what? Maybe, <laughs> I, maybe even I, as perfect as I am, need a check on my own power. Yeah, I, I, I think it's a great way of looking at it. And there's been a real great evolution. Um, and I'm, I'm, it's one of the reasons I'm really excited to see, you know, for Infinity War is to see what's now, where, where is he, where is Tony Stark going to be now? Because, um, you know, he's had so many of these things to, to, that you would think would shake his confidence. They never have. Ultron comes along. And then even after Ultron, he goes ahead and builds Vision, which turns out to be a good thing. But, but I remember watching that and thinking, wait, wait a minute. Has any lesson been learned here yet? Right, right. And uh, this is this is bad as the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast guy. Uh-huh. I'm trying to I'm trying to piece together the exact uh thing with that they did with Vision. Yeah, yeah, he wants to him and Banner both still want to re 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 you know, they want to start up Vision. Right. And with 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 um uh oh it, gosh, what's it's with vi- that body that the the scientist had made originally. The, yeah, the body the for Ultron, the body was from Ultron, but the the mind is the mind of his his AI that he's been using for years. Right. Who who he sees as working against Ultron in in the code, so he thinks it's a safe bet. But but obviously all the Avengers are against him, and it's, it isn't until Thor walks in the room. It's such a weird alchemy. It's like it feels like an eighties like um, <laughs> what's the what's oh gosh weird science. It feels like weird oh, science. Oh, I remember that movie. <laughs> when you know you you put a you put a you put a you put two clamps on a Barbie doll uh-huh. and somehow it grows into a real woman. It's uh, you put a computer code through a Barbie doll and it turns into a real woman. Uh, it's like they they had they had the it's always there's always lightning involved and with this one you had <laughs> Thor comes in the room and like he he sends his own Thor lightning through this body which also has an Infinity Stone in it and also has all this vibranium and has the programming components. It's like all this alchemy comes together to create Vision. It's such a cool. Uh, I mean, I gotta like, say. It- it's one circumstance thing, it's one thing i've always kind of liked about the mcu is that it tries a little bit to be grounded and a little bit to give you the pseudoscience but on some level yeah. it just says look thor's got a hammer who knows how it works it's awesome enjoy you know yeah oh and, yeah yeah they, they don't worry too much about the techno babble and the, they just say oh if you don't understand it it's just it's that it, you can call it magic but it's just science you don't understand exactly <laughs> it's, exactly it's fine so so with all that like where on his journey do you see him as i mean do do you still think of him as a hero? Do you think of him as an anti-hero? Do you think of him as something hmm. else? Like where 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 does Tony Stark Iron Man fit at this point? Given that he's he's done a lot of good and he's also done an awful lot of harm. I think he is a cocky hero. Yeah. He's a hero. He wants he 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 genuinely wants to do the right thing and in many ways he has. But one of his biggest failings is his overconfidence in creating Ultron. I mean, that's really the only time he's made a huge mistake. There's been well, you could say everything he's done has sort of been small. Every villain has sort of been on a small scale created by him. It's been his technology that he created. Right. Which I mean, that that's a whole other can of worms, but like what technology do you create? And how other people use it versus how you use it. He he he's the only one he trusts his technology in the hands of. Because look at Iron Man one, Iron Monger, as mm-hmm. as thin of a villain as he was, and as silly as it looked to have <laughs> Obadiah Stane in that suit. Um, he is he is a he's using Stark tech to 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 fight 
you know, to fight for evil. Right. And then you have in the next movie, uh, this the, the Birdman uh, uh, Whiplash comes over and and builds an entire army of Iron Man suits to fight fight Tony. And then you've got you know it, in in the in the uh, third one, it's extremists. It's it's still his. He, he he solved the extremist puzzle back when he was still in his Playboy days, and that's still Stark Tech being used against the world. It's it's his. It was like science is boundless. Discovery is discovery is always good. I want to push the boundaries, create new things, regardless of the consequences. You know, right. in many ways, he's like I am the destroyer of worlds kind of thing. Like I think that doesn't hit him until Ultron, but all the way through the first three, they're all his fault. Everything is kind of his fault. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's a great point you make because, I mean, on the one hand, I think we can't, you know, to invent something great, even if it could be used for something terrible, that's not necessarily the fault of the inventor. But with Tony sure. Stark, there's an element to which he's going even further where he's not even thinking about the consequences of, okay, because, yeah, it's that he has that confidence of, I have this suit, I'm going to use this suit for evil, so that's great. He's not asking himself, what if someone else gets their hands on the suit, that kind of thing. Um, right. And and I like what you say about the cocky hero because to me I I feel like more than anything uh I I mean Iron Man seems like he is the one who probably needs the Avengers more than anyone because he I I feel like Iron Man ha- we've we've seen he does best when he has that team around him of other people who can say, "Whoa, slow down here, Tony. You're not quite, you know, you're kind of going off the deep end or whatever." Does that, does that seem accurate to you that he's like he that that confidence really gets kind of well trying to think of what the word, but it gets well balanced by being in, as, as part of the larger team instead of just off Ab- on its own. Absolutely. I think, I think Steve Rogers is, is the other side of his coin. Um, and, and I think we're going to see, obviously we see him literally, but heads with him yeah. in civil war. Um, and I'm really, really excited to see. And I, we actually recorded an episode of MCU cast last night where we talked about this a lot. So, oh, nice. uh, so, so a little plug for that. That should be up today. Um, cool. or it, by the time this comes out, I'm sure it'll be up. Yeah. Um, but our, our news and feedback episode this week is all – we talk a lot about what is going to happen to Tony Stark and what is what is it going to look like, Tony Stark and Steve's relationship in this new movie. Uh, cause, because I think – I mean it, from the first Avengers, uh, they, they've been standing up to each other, and uh, <laughs> there's a great exchange in Avengers where uh, – Steve Rogers looks at him. He says, "You're not the one to make the sacrifice play. Mm. You're not. You're not a hero. You're not the one to make the sacrifice play. Because that's who Steve Rogers is. Steve Rogers can't destroy the world with his powers. You right. know, he doesn't have the great power that Iron Man does. Iron Man, in many ways, is more powerful than him with his mind. Yeah. Uh, but but Steve Rogers is the the little pipsqueaky guy in the first." And I, I almost cry every time I think about this scene. Even now, thinking about him getting misty-eyed when he dies on that grenade oh, as God, the little yeah. pipsqueak to save those, because he believes that's the best way he can help the war effort is to die so these other bigger guys can live to fight Hitler. Like that's just such an amazing scene. No, um, I, it, it it is so beautiful, and I think it's part of why you referenced earlier when when um Tony Stark, you know, the Iron Man is the one to go up into the portal. Part exactly. of the reason why that scene means so much is because, yeah, we know that Captain America will make that sacrifice. There's no question there. We know that, you know, Thor is going to make incredible sacrifices for, you know, for his friends and for his community and all that. It's it's that it's Iron Man because he's probably the last one you think of who's going to be willing to make that kind of sacrifice. Absolutely. And and he says in that in that same conversation, he says, you wouldn't be the one to to lay across barbed wire so you're 
so you're so you're to save your men, your men or whatever. And he says, no, I would just cut the wire. Like yeah. he always <laughs> thinks at that moment, he's still so cocky to think that not only is he making the right decision in his ethics, but also like that. No, he, he can't do he, he's never going to be in a situation that he can't think himself out of. And then in that moment where he has to there's a nuclear bomb like this, this force of power that he can't stop on Earth. And then he has to send it and look out into the universe at another unstoppable force that he doesn't see away that he that he sees so far beyond his own control and power it's in that moment where he finally goes oh maybe yeah. i maybe there's more to it than just me maybe i can't <laughs> do this on my own um and that's what all iron man 3 is has he has all this post traumatic stress mm -hmm. from from that moment and uh, man he calls pepper that, yeah. that that's another that's another moment that always gets me when he he calls pepper and she doesn't pick up and he's flying off into the universe sure sure he's not going to make it back through that portal and he just can't reach his pet reach pepper oh that, uh, it's such a beautiful moment well, it's and, so good and listening to you talk about this it, it actually makes a connection for me that i haven't made before but um you're a big star trek fan as well right absolutely yeah i i mean it, it may, I mean, I, I'm sure other people have made the like Tony Stark, James Kirk connection, but I'm just as we're talking, I'm thinking I'd hmm. love to see Tony Stark take the Kobayashi Maru, you know, because <laughs> I, I feel like he has that same attitude of Kirk has that he just he can't accept the idea of a no win scenario. Like you Absolutely. said, he's going to cut the barbed wire. He's always going to try and find something else to do. Kirk has third way thinking, as they call it, and the same way with with Tony. It's like uh, the, the the best Star Trek episodes are. You have an emotional <laughs> you have an emotional response that is being portrayed by McCoy. Yep. And then you have a logical response to the situation which is being portrayed by Spock. And Kirk is in the middle and neither of those are right. Yeah. And he has to find the right solution, which is often using creativity to solve a third a third way. And I think it's a lot of problems in our culture, a lot of problems in everything. Like people want to go all emotion or all logic, mm -hmm. and it's neither one of those. And you have to blend those two things together to come up with solutions. Um, from from our political climate to like everything else, it's just so many things are that way. And that's what I love about Star Trek is it makes you look at those things and go, there's got to be a third way. There's got to be a way to blend these things together and make them work. And, and the one the, when Star Trek does it at its best, it, it does it in a way where you, as the viewer, cannot see what Kirk is going to do. Yeah. But when he does it, you're like, of course, of course, you know, like that would work. And, and it's just, and, and then it challenges you to be creative in your own solutions. And I love that. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a great point because it really gets you thinking. And in the same way, I think some of the MCU stuff can of like, what you look at a, a solution and you think, okay, well, there's this, 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 this way to do it or that way to. You look at a problem and there's this solution or that solution, and it's so easy for us to to get into that. Okay, well, now I've got to think about this binary of one or the other instead of being able to step back and go, wait a minute, is there another way forward? Um, yeah, it's, absolutely. It's, it's funny because actually, just last night I, I recorded another episode um, on a very different subject, but um, the Avatar, the Last Airbender, the the oh, uh, yeah. animated show. And, and that's not one I know as much, but I know uh, my co-hosts were talking about that there. One of the things they love about that is that so often, um, you know, pe characters get into a situation where it seems like you have to either surrender or fight to the death. And the characters are all about trying to find that third way, you know? Um, yeah, for yeah, sure. Another example I think of uh, with this is uh, Doctor Strange, you know, at the end where he realizes. Uh, I was about to bring that up. Yeah. I love that ending. Yeah, because, you know, he, 
he he can't possibly um, physically overwhelm. What is Dramagu? Is that the Dor- kind of, Dormammu? Yeah. Dormammu. Yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah, but he still he comes up with that third way, and that's something that <laughs> so I, good. Um, and and it's that the, this is another one like there's so many moments in the MCU. And this is why I love the MCU so much. There's so many moments I can think of that just like they're so personal and amazing. And that one uh, is super spoiler alerts for. I feel like yeah. not as many people saw that movie, so I feel like I suppose spoiler alert it. But uh, when he goes in and go, gets stuck in that time loop where he's dying over and over, that is classic, like Buddhist and Christian philosophy, like dying to yourself. Yeah. And he, he literally chooses to sacrifice his body as a n- never-ending death, so that the rest of the world can live. Like that, and and his whole his whole arc up until now has been selfish he came to save his own hands mm-hmm. uh but in lieu of doing that he's chosen to save the world and willing to completely sacrifice his own life over and over and over as long as it takes and we don't know how long he was in that loop but it looked like he died a lot of times yeah and it, and it's just like that's um that 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 was such an amazing way of showing like self-sacrifice and that sort of like yeah, it's that uh, third way thinking you were saying, you know, of, of yeah. breaking oh, yeah. out of this. So, what? And pulling it back to Tony, um, we, we started getting into the topic of Ultron, and I want I want to really dive in there, um, because I think we it, 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 he obviously feels guilt, but I'm wondering, kind of from an outside perspective, what level of responsibility do you think Tony holds for Ultron? And and the you know, in Civil War, there's that incredible scene where the mother comes up to him, um, and she clearly yeah. blames Tony for the death of her son, um, in Segovia. Um, what do you think our take as the audience is? How how much responsibility does Tony hold um, for 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 what Ultron does? I mean, in a in a like, well, <laughs> there's two answers to that question. Uh, one sort of a theory. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say in some ways a hundred percent. Yeah. But there's a small theory that I feel like has to be mentioned here. In some ways, it's, it's he, if Ultron is a pure invention of Tony Stark and he just did not do his due diligence to include those, uh, you know, what is it, Asimov's Rules for Robotics or whatever. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> if he didn't do the, if he, he didn't do a good job of coding that in from the core, then that's kind of his fault. But what actually happens in the movie is the Mind Stone, which was sent from Thanos, yeah, actually infects infects his programming and. So you could make an argument that it's actually and at the end of the movie th- that's the one that, that's that's the that's the movie that ends with Thanos walking up grabbing uh grabbing the gauntlet and saying I'm going to I guess I have to do it myself. Right. He can't keep using um, these pawns that he's used in other things. And so in in, in so although part of I, w- I wish it were 100%. Yeah. Um and I w- I think that would be more interesting from it for this ethical conversation and i think tony views it as 100 percent. i don't think tony really understands the scope of what was going on but uh ultron in many ways was it seems was sent by thanos yeah <laughs> uh in, in somehow programmed into the mind stone when he sent it with loki and avengers one um he he used somehow had a had it's like he had he had ultron built into that mind stone when he sent it which is interesting mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll be curious to see if that's explored at all in Infinity War. I mean, we know Thanos is going to be doing a lot of, like, taunting and playing with our heroes. It'd be really interesting to know it, to hear if that comes up at all with Thanos talking to Tony. Um, it, w- it would be. It, I feel like in a last battle with Thanos, we have this Tony Stark who has, has not stopped second-guessing himself 
since Sokovia, and then suddenly he finds out it wasn't his fault. Mm. Can you imagine the bravado he might just like snap <laughs> back into when he's like, wait, that wasn't my fault? Oh, these years of questioning myself. I didn't do anything wrong. You were just being a dick, Thanos. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, I could see that being a fun moment, but I actually kind of like – I feel like, again, here, the kind of third way of – the way I would see it is – I mean, even if we, if we go with this theory, which I think there's a lot of, uh, of evidence for, but what, what, what happened is Thanos set a trap, you know, knowing that some human – maybe he knew about Tony, maybe he didn't, but you know, he kind of set up this potential of will some human be stupid and arrogant enough to like run with this, this, this trap that I've set? And, Absolutely. And so, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of responsibility on Thanos, to be sure, but it's also still on Tony for falling into that because even, even you know, because what Tony did was to say, I don't know what this is going to do. What the hell? Let's try it. What's the worst that can happen? You know? And yeah. We saw, like, he doesn't really actually think about what's that worst that can happen. And to me, that's, I think you're right. It's not 100% responsibility, but th- there's still some of it that's on him. No, I still, I, yeah, for sure he didn't, uh, like I said, he did not build into the core of his code. Is it Asimov? Am I right on that? Am I just, like, making that yeah, up? Yeah, Isaac his a- laws, Asimov. Asimov, sorry. Yeah. Uh, his, his, his laws of robotics where your first thing is no hurting humans. Right. <laughs> and if that was at the core of his programming where it couldn't change, then, you know, yeah. uh, may, maybe <laughs> maybe would have been better off. I think if you'd put that in there or also uh, it's just that, that same issue we talked about before with, with building the suit. On some level, he thinks if I build the technology, I'm going to have full control of it, and it's never going to be out of my control. And he never actually asks himself, like, what is creating this, sup- this sentient supercomputer robot? What would that do if it was out of my control? You know, he never quite asks himself that. Yeah, for sure. To your mind, when you watched him then decide, okay, I'm going to go ahead and create Vision, um, did that feel like, okay, he, he, this is fundamentally different and this is okay? Or were you watching that at least a little bit worried, thinking – Oh God! Is this Tony doing it again? Well, I mean, it's pretty telegraphed in that scene because everyone in the scene is telling him to stop. That yeah, they all think something is going to go wrong. So, um, I mean, I guess it's hard. It's really hard in that scene for me to uh, not know that comics and know that the vision, know that this is vision that I'm looking at. You know, oh and like, yeah, that's true. It, it, it was really hard as as a fan and as someone who'd just been doing the podcast and talking. Or in seeing so much of, of what was coming, uh, I kind of knew that this is Vision. Yeah, uh, I, so I, I didn't. It was hard to buy into even the characters talking about, "Oh, it's this is trouble. Don't do it." <laughs> I was sitting there, no, this could this is gonna be great. I did I did think maybe they're gonna have to fight him first, but that's still that's just a trope. Like a new hero's here, we have to fight him to show us all, <laughs> show the audience his power level, blah blah blah, and yeah. then he's on our side. The Avengers can't be friends unless they've punched each other first. There's a real that's right. Bro- that is right. Testosterone thing happening there. <laughs> Sometimes I want to punch you in your perfect teeth. Yeah, exactly. Well, and that that is actually a good perspective because it's one that I'm um I. I'm here a little bit of a dirty casual and then I, I know the MCU pretty much forward and backwards at this point, but I didn't come to it from reading the comic books. Um, and I try um, – uh, I'm always glad for your uh, spoilers on the news episodes because I really try hard not to um, you know, see the previews and stuff like that. So going into it, I, I knew nothing about this Vision character. So for me, it was a real interesting moment of like, Tony, what are you doing here? Um, right. But Why can... are you building another thing? Yeah, and I, I'm – you know, as, as much as – I'm a bit. I'm real big into the 
cinematic universe like you like you are i actually don't know a t- i don't know enough from comic books but what i know is when something's coming that, that we kind of just have we just end up finding out about it through yeah through the through the podcast because we're covering so much um talking about different things um, i mean another episode that i plan to do at some point is just talking about how much how bad previews have gotten and how annoyed i am and how much previews spoil so much of the movie for us by now um, oh yeah I, I hate it so much yeah i i mean with some of these movies that are coming out um like Thor, the um, the previews have me excited for sure, but I'm trying hard as I can to avoid all of the like, look what pictures we saw on the set. That proves that this character is back, and that you know, like yeah. So yeah, different topic entirely. Um, yeah, there's there's a bunch of <laughs> you may want to be careful with our with our cast we're about to drop today. There's some casting news about uh, gosh, Avengers Inf- Infinity War. Okay, and and there and there a lot of people are speculating pretty hard about what that means. It's not it's all speculation, but yeah. It, uh, it could mean some things. Yeah. Well, I remember you guys got into that with Spider-Man with how much the um, – and it was in part because you guys warned me. I, I never wound up <laughs> watching the second or third previews for Spider-Man um, because of just how much they spoiled it. Um, so, But yeah, different topic entirely. Um, and, and just kind of finishing up on Ultron, um, I remember watching it and thinking, you know, and this is never going to make a good movie by any means, so I'm glad they didn't do it. But I remember thinking, like, I, I could understand someone, you know, say, you know, trying to bring some kind of a lawsuit against Mr. Stark. Um, oh, you know, absolutely. Saying, like, is there, like, yeah, maybe not criminal homicide, but like, you know, maybe some criminal negligence here. Um, and well, and in many ways, that's what the Sokovia Accords are. It's yes, you, it's it, they're they're they. It's it's hard because they know that these these people just saved the world. Right. Uh. So so they literally just saved the world directly from, uh, you know, not not from um. Not from Ultron, but from Loki in Avengers One. Yeah. And so Avengers Two is a, you know, you know, even though they almost destroy the world, it's like, are they a net gain or a net loss? And it's it's hard. It's a it's actually a political argument. It's like a fair political argument to have. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I think that that's what, uh, and that's actually a good segue because next thing I want to talk about is his role in Civil War, because one of the things that I love about Civil War is that it, it's one of the few movies I know of. Where people can come out of it arguing about who was the hero and who who is the you know who was the hero and who was the villain, um, absolutely. In terms of like you know team tap team team cap and team Tony, um, yeah. And and obviously and because I think it just did such a good job of showing the two sides of that. Um, and so what what's your take on on Tony's Tony's attitude during Civil War? Because obviously we've got someone who, you know, he's really kind of personally scarred by both the Segovia, what he saw in in the portal. And also just his own feelings of guilt. Um, right. And I think that there's a lot of real value in what he's feeling, and there's also a lot of him kind of projecting what he's feeling on everyone else. And so what's what's your take on, on, on Tony in, in, in his positions in Civil War? Um, I definitely – you know, it, it, there, there's two major fights in that movie. Yep. Uh, and the first one, you can absolutely see Tony Stark's point of view. I, I mean you can see his point of view in both fights, but um, his, his – you, you, you're almost on his side – in that, I mean, Cap is wrong. Mm. Like Tony is actually right in 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 trying to stop him from going to that to that to the when they when they have the big airport fight. Yeah. Um. Tony is actually right. His side is right. Uh. This is actually a trap. <laughs> yeah. They're, and they're, and they're going off half cocked. Uh. And not and without approval. Uh. Of the of the Sokovia Accords and like they're actually wrong. There is no threat. Um. Zemo, is it Zemo? Yeah, Zemo. Yeah, 
But Zemo has gone there and already actually killed all the super soldiers there. He killed them in their sleep. So there's no threat. The only threat is going there. <laughs> and so uh, if, if you really look at it that way, like Tony is right from beginning to end. Even So so you want to be on Cap's side, but if, if you look at it from the with the hindsight of the end of the movie, like Tony was right. Yeah. But in the in the final fight, you have he is out for revenge. Yeah. And in that moment, he's a villain. Like there's no there's no he wants to kill the man who killed his mom, even though Bucky had was brainwashed, had no choice. And he, he's not willing to have any sense of nuance. Yeah. Uh, in that moment and, or any sense of like forgiveness. Uh, and he he says, you know, uh, you know, he, he he's like, I, I just don't I don't care. He killed my mom. Like, yeah. that's, that's, that's all. It's like he killed my mom and I can't get over that. And that's not hero behavior. <laughs> well, and, and it's funny because we were talking before about like that, that middle road between emotion and logic and finding the middle road. To me, that's a moment where Tony just lets himself go totally into his emotions because it's like Abs- if, absolutely. He, if, he, if he were to step back and think about this rationally, he can he can understand this isn't Bucky's fault uh, anymore that, you know, some of the other things that he has seen of, of other people being brainwashed and the like. Um, and this is a weird connection, but, but I, think it, I think it applies. Um, I've known a lot of people who work in hospices and things like that, um, you <laughs> know, where, where, where folks were dying. And they said that right. one – and the people I knew did a lot, you know, were like nurses or, 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 or workers in those situations where they, where they dealt a lot with the family. And one thing that they saw a lot was that people who had really kind of complicated relationships with the, with the parents who died um, and, and had, had like never really been able to, to process their own feelings – often wound up sort of, you know, getting really emotionally or irrationally angry at the staff or at other siblings or other family members because they just, they, you know, all, they had so many wrapped up feelings in their parents' death that they just didn't have a place to, to, to go with. And so it just came out as this irrational anger at, at the first person they could see. And I, mm. and I, I sort of see that with Tony, you know, that he, we, we've known all along, he has this incredibly, uh, especially because, you know, we know he's this incredibly complicated relationship with his dad. We know almost nothing about his relationship with his mother. Um, presumably, it was a much better relationship, but we know we, we know very little about it. And, and the fact that he doesn't say there, you know, this guy, you know, he killed my parents, is he killed my mom? You know, and it feels oh, like yeah, it's yeah. just it's such the simplification of I, I can't think rationally. I'm just lost in this emotion right now. Absolutely, and I think we definitely get a sense of that um, in the very first scene in Civil War, mm-hmm. uh, where he is. He's he, he it's, uh, I guess the second scene he's having that he's doing that uh, oh gosh what that therapy that holographic therapy yeah that like holographic session yeah that I mean and crazy we, stuff yeah we see just a moment of him with his mom and a moment of him with his dad and there's like a real you can you can really tell the difference and you can tell that his relationship with his mom is really good and his relationship with his dad his his dad's like disappointment mm-hmm. and and all this stuff and he just never has a uh, he just didn't. He he never was able to resolve his feelings with his dad, and a lot of that's playing out now. Uh, you know, we, we talk about civil war. And I think that's very interesting, uh, but a lot of that is now playing out in Spider-Man: Homecoming. Oh yeah. Uh, his his daddy issues are now coming to roost in like how he treats, uh, you know, Spider-Man. Peter Parker is oh, now his surrogate son, and he's and he's having to figure out how to be a father to this kid, a father to this fatherless kid who is definitely viewing him as that. Yeah. And, and he's, and you know, 
it, it's just it's really interesting to me. I, I I love that. That's not really so much an ethical thing, but it is. I mean, how to be a good dad? How to be a good dad? It is one how you and I, I want to go. Spider Man is actually the next thing I want to go into, but I want to just in depth with Civil War. So, uh, uh, you know, in terms of where he is, in terms of like stopping Cap from the trap and then losing himself with Bucky, I totally agree with you there on the hero villain like uh, evolution he goes through. But what about in terms of Sokovia Accords? Where do you see um, Tony in terms of his perspective of, you know, being really afraid of the kind of things that it, it's almost almost seems like he he kind of feels like he personally needs the Sokovia Accords. He needs someone reining him in. Um, and now Absolutely. he's trying to, and now he's trying to say, but so if I need it, all of us need it. Absolutely. And I think he's right. I think that is that is the ethical center of the Tony Stark character. He is a cocky hero who has learned his lesson about being so cocky. Yeah. Um, and, and, and he sees other people going down the same road and he's trying to teach them like, no, we all need oversight. Yeah. Um, and, and I think like Civil War, as much as it's Cap's movie – and he's the hero of it. I do think he's wrong. Um, mm. uh, it, 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 even even to the point that like the place that he f- insists they go, it just leads them to a, a trap that Zemo has set for them. Yeah. Um. And, and that and that and that leads to this major fight between these characters, and he has to defend his friend against Tony because that's Zemo's plan. They just they literally play right into Zemo's hands. Yeah. Um. And and I mean even the even the the entire war itself, it's all just playing into Zemo's hands. And, uh, yeah, Cap could have... Uh... No, and I, I, I think you're right there. And I, I, I'm sure I'm going to yell that for some people because I've been known as a Team Tony person on this podcast. And, uh, oh, um, yeah. <laughs> the, first, the first time we're diving deep onto it, apparently I have another Team Tony person here, and I will get some, <laughs> some Team Cap representation. But I, right. I, well, I mean, I can, I, can, I can definitely argue the other side. Yeah. Uh, but, but I just think... Given how it ends, it's so funny because you still end up feeling like uh, you still end up feeling like Cap is right. Yeah. But because it's a Cap movie, but but really the 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 details bear out that Cap was wrong. <laughs> uh, in the way. The way I wind up coming down on it was sort of thinking like, and here again, like we're never going to get this movie, but it's like Tony is right that we need some kind of oversight we need some kind of accords we need some some group that's saying you know if nothing else the group that says hey wait a minute was scarlet witch really ready to go out in the field yet did she need more training you know was tony right to do ultron like we need some more of that kind of alt oversight and i think cap i think tony is right in saying we need something i think cap is right in then saying okay but the sokovia accords are terrible and we can't have those and and, right. and kind of you know what i would wish to see happen is Tony say we need something? Cap says you're right. We need something, but not this. And then they spend two hours having a bureaucratic negotiation about what the Sokovia Accords <laughs> actually should be. I'm totally with you. Like that's something they could do on Agents of Shield pretty well, and they have uh, done it a little bit on Agents of Shield, like discussing like what exactly they have to do with this character or that character, and how that how the Sokovia Accords are going to work right in the, in the context of certain things because uh Cap is definitely right. The whole point of the Avengers is you have this fast response team who goes into a situation that uh, that needs them. Right. Uh, and <laughs> I get at the end of that first Avengers movie, we see the problem with the, with the oversight with that that group that was like, okay, yep, just go ahead and let New York die, and that's how we'll we'll fix everything. You know? Yeah, so, we'll fix everything by just nuking New York. Not like this all can't happen again, and the the aliens aren't coming anyway. Right. Um, 
yeah, it's it, and that's the that's the, that's the thing. The point to, Tony makes is uh, I'm not I'm sorry. Cap makes is that every every political body you're going to put in control of us will all have their own agendas. Yeah. No matter what, they're going to have their agendas. And 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 Caps still, Cap still fully believes in his own agenda. Cap has not gone through the transformation that Tony has gone through. And yeah. maybe it's because Cap's a better person. Maybe it's because he's never had the power that, you know, true power corrupts absolute or absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. Um, it's like Tony has had absolute power to destroy the earth. Yeah. And he almost did it. Um, and, and, and he blames himself for that. And Cap has never really had that happen. His only, his only real uh, problem is he's still, he's still where Tony was, after Iron Man, the beginning of Iron Man One, when he realized his company was wrong, right? Uh, Cap just in in Cap Two realized that the government was could be wrong, right? <laughs> and was wrong, and he has kind of struck out on his own. And now we've got this whole secret Avengers thing, and I don't know. It's it's still a great question. How much oversight is the right amount of oversight for these teams? Like yeah. that's that's. That's a really good ethical question. <laughs> and, and, and it's one that I think, I mean, it has obvious, you know, as in our own world, we're talking about how much, you know, if we think of the Avenger type people as, as law enforcement, basically, on some way. You or, know, or military. Yeah, and, we're, you know, we have those same debates in our own world about how much oversight do we have. And I, I it's what I love about the movie Civil War is how much it, it, it's possible to walk out of it either just thinking Tony was right or Cap was right. But I, but I think you're right that it, in reality, what the movie shows us is that they both they both have some really good points, um, and and just they're not quite able to hear each other on those, and that's where we get the conflict. And that that Zemo is so part part of what I think is the the tragedy of that movie is that Zemo realizes these two people aren't going to be able to talk out their 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 problems. That if he mm-hmm. if he puts a conflict between the two of them, they're going to wind up fighting it out. You know, and that it, that makes for a better movie than a bureaucratic negotiation. Um, but it's but it's sad because it's you know it, it it's the trap that he that he sets for all of them. Absolutely. So so let's let's let's. Uh, I'm sure we'll, we'll we'll keep going over that. But let's let's dive into what you brought up in terms of Spider-Man. Um, because that was one of the, the the other questions I wanted to bring up is what do you think of his role in terms of being Spider-Man's mentor? Is this him kind of trying to trying to sort of say I I have learned my lessons. I've really screwed up. I'm trying to make sure Spider-Man doesn't go down the same path. Is this more about just being a father figure? What what you do know, you see happening there? It's really interesting, especially given the conversation we're having, because a lot of what happens in Homecoming is Peter Parker disobeys the protocols put in place to keep him in check. Yeah. And that's what a lot of the movie is about, is him disobeying, and he turns off the training wheels protocol and goes out on missions that he's not, like, uh, approved to go out on. And he says, he says, why can't you be just a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man? Right. <laughs> um, why, why are you, why are you needing to go fight these big battles? Um, and he does it anyway. And then in the end, when he does that, he saves the day and Tony offers him a spot on the Avengers, which, which is, uh, and, and happy, like is, 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 well, happy that, yeah. that, 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 that he did that, even though, it should be for the place we know Tony is right now. It should be that that's exactly um, wh- what he should be mad at the kid for doing. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's being a little too Tony Stark in that moment. There was because I, I think you're right. I think what Tony is trying to do is sort of impose his own version of Sokovia Accords on Spider-Man. Um, yeah, which that's another question. Why don't the Sokovia Accords apply to Spider-Man? <laughs> yeah. They should, and 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 I, and I think they do. And I mean, I think like that's part of the reason 
that Tony is saying, stay at street level, stay, stay down low. We don't need you on these big global problems because then you're going to, you're going to catch the attention of the Sokovia Accords and everything. I think he wants him to be just like a stop muggers, stop, be a daredevil level hero or whatever. Which brings me into my whole other consistency problem of if he's out down on the level of New York City, New York City superhero as well, there's four others he could maybe hang out with. Um, Absolutely. That that's another, you know, Netflix uh, versus everything else question. Right. Um, well, I th- and I think we have uh, either in, it seems like in, in, in most of homecoming, he seemed like he was either in the suburbs. Yeah. Or he was in, he was actually in Washington for, for a lot of the movie. Yeah. Uh, so, 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 or he was downtown at Avengers tower uh, getting ready to, you know, take down that plane or whatever. Yeah. So it seems like he was very in different part. He was not in Hell's Kitchen. Yeah, um, not in Hell's Kitchen or, not, or Harlem. Not Harlem. Yeah, he's in different parts of the city, but still, I just maybe get rid of Iron Fist, bring in Spider Man instead. But okay, that's, oh yeah, that's my own dream. Yeah, you know, on our show we always talk about how much we would love more and more connection between the shows and the movies and the TVs and like I want runaways that's about to come out to connect yeah. with humans that's going to connect to age. okay maybe not in humans maybe not iron fist but uh you know all these shows that, that are so i love that there's so many shows and i love that they all have their different corners of the universe and they have their own stories and the way they tell them but i wish they'd have a little more crossover I know. it's hard to do it without it, without it seeming just very forced sometimes i think i know that there's, uh, a, there's a lot and there's a lot of legal stuff and con- actors contracts but i know there were there were moments during civil war where I just kept wanting Matt Murdock to walk in and help do the legal stuff, you know, <laughs> or, um, right. Exactly. Like, like, um, and, and I think they, I'm really hoping that they will do some of that stuff as, as this all, you know, progresses. Yeah, for sure. They say, they always say there's plans to do it. And the, the one big one that they ever did was the crossover in season one of agents of shield connecting to, um, connecting to the, second, the movie, the, the yeah. second movie. The, the, and the problem with that was it caused them to – so that happened in episode 17, I believe. Mm-hmm. So they had to – knowing that the movie was landing on a certain date, they knew that three years in advance. Yeah. <laughs> so, and they, they had this – they had this – so they had a goal they were aiming for for three years in advance. That gives them very little flexibility. Yeah. If they had realized for their plot, oh, you know what? It would be great if Hydra came in right at the middle – mid-season finale. But you know what? That can't work. It has to be episode 17. So we've yep. got to fill in six extra episodes or whatever. Um, that's, I think, what really happened with that first season. And a lot of people complained about that first season of Age of Shield, how boring it was. Yeah. And I think a lot of it was they were waiting on the big reveal. They were just kind of stalling they... time for a couple episodes there. Yeah. And, and so it, since I've kind of understood that, I understand why they don't do more of that uh-huh. because it's movies are made on this huge scale of three and four years from the time they finish the script to the time the thing is in theaters and TV shows are literally, they're changing things in the script week to week. And when you, when you, when you hit yourself to large tent poles, like they do yep. and make your plot so dependent on those large tent poles, then you, you, you're, you're, you, you take away some of the power of TV, which is that ability to see a plot going somewhere and go, you know what? This actress is working out really well. We should keep her around. Or um, so I'm always reminded of like, uh, did, you, did you watch Buffy, uh, the yeah, Vampire Slayer? Yeah, I love that show. Love Spike that show. was, you know, Spike. Yeah, uh, he one was of, supposed one to be a one-off. He was never supposed he was to supposed, stick around. Yeah, he was supposed to be a one-off character, and they were just, you know what? We like him a lot. We're going to keep him around. And he became a series regular and a fan favorite. My one of my favorites. Oh yeah, I think uh, easily one all of the way the through, all the way through the end of uh, Angel. He's great. Um, 
and uh, and that th- that would have never happened if you have the same sort of uh, you know you're 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 locked into a certain thing happening at a certain time. Sometimes yeah. you don't have that same flexibility uh, to think on your feet and just see something going well and decide it's because that happens. They come back toward the end, I think, of mm-hmm. season two. Spike and Drusilla come back into town and you're like, oh, they're back. Yeah. So I'm sure sometime in that season, middle of writing the season, they're like, you know what? That's that episode was so good. Let's bring those actresses, yeah. actor and actress back. That's really cool. And I think you're right. I think there's an, a level of which the, the perfect continuity world, which we all long for, is just going to be impossible in terms of budgets and schedules and directors and all that kind of stuff. But right. there's just, I mean, just and, and bring it back to Tony Stark. To me, one of just the small moments that I was just like, oh, come on. What was at the end of Defenders when they're clearly setting up Misty Knight to get her arm, and they say, and you know, by the way, the, the Danny Rand Foundation can help fund this. And I was just thinking, come on, people watching Netflix know that Tony Stark exists. Why can't that just be Tony Stark, you know? Um, it was a small little thing. And yeah. Just one shout out I wish Tony had gotten. Um, yeah. But, but probably, that would have that been cool if that was Stark Tech. Yeah. I w- I, like, that, that is one thing, like, Stark Tech should just be a thing, like... Why isn't Stark Tech in all the hospitals and in all the, yeah. all the all the all the whatever like that? That should absolutely be a thing. This like Miss, you're right. Misty Knight would be a perfect time for. He literally creates arms all the time on yeah. his suits that exactly. operate independently. Um, <laughs> it'd be what, be perfect. And so pulling it back to what we were talking about uh, before about with him and Spider Man, um, um, with with Tony. So, I'm sorry, I get off on so many offshoots no, no, talking no. about these shows, Trust those me. movies. I can go every direction. I love it too, man. The tangents, I think, are half of what people listen to. At least I hope. <laughs> we have them a lot. Um, <laughs> but, but with Spider-Man, so because I, I hadn't really thought about it before, but I think the point you're making about him being kind of a father figure to, to Spider-Man is right. And I think on some level, definitely that's what Spider-Man does need that, whether he wants to acknowledge it or not. But to what extent, what extent do you think Tony needs it? Because I'm thinking of Tony at this point, like... Oh, I think, yeah. You know, he's kind of lost Pepper. Maybe he's gotten her back. It's not clear. He's certainly lost a lot of what he had with the Avengers. Tony in that movie seems like someone who... He kind of, like... He kind of needs something now. Because he... He, like, needs a, he needs a family. Yeah. Um, and and he, he is very lonely. In the end of Civil War, Pepper's gone, and his crew is gone. Yeah. And he is he is sitting there at that desk by himself, Rhodey thinking is about his mistakes. In a coma, uh, severely injured. Yeah, Rhodey's injured. He's not, he's not gone. He's injured. Uh, he's still there, and so so Vision's still there, and Scarlet, which is still there. Uh, we don't see them in those final moments, but right. he 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 helps he helps uh, Rhodey in his therapy and uh, gets a package for Tony Stank. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then then he goes into his office and it just seems like a really quiet moment of reflection where he's realizing I went from this sort of big family uh, that I had at the beginning of this movie <laughs> and it's all kind of gone down yeah. to this very small, uh, you know, th- there's that scene, the scenes near the beginning of civil war where they're like, where visions invading Scarlet, which is room. And mm-hmm. they're talking about cooking food for her and all this stuff. Like there's this real, like sort of, it, it's obvious they've all lived together for a while. And they're all kind of have this family vibe going. And, and now he's lost a huge chunk of, the family that he'd been building. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and I think having spite, not just <laughs> Spider-Man as both a family member and a, and a, and a son figure that he mm-hmm. can, he can try to sort of do maybe be the man his father wasn't. Um, and, 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 and he, it's, it's really that, that, that's the stuff that interests me is his, his connections to his own father 
Yeah. Um, and, and, and how, and how he feels his father treated him and the connections to that and how he's now treating, uh, the, the young kid and, uh, trying to, trying to draw the, all those connections is what really interests me. Well, especially because, um, this is what I hadn't connected before, but with you saying about him being kind of a surrogate father figure, it, it's like one thing Tony Stark has been trying to do throughout this entire, uh, series of movies is to create something. He wants to create a lasting legacy, you know, and first it was, he really thought his company was going to be like he, the thing he had created that was going to be great for the world. And then, it yeah. was, and then it was the suits, and then he saw the suits could go wrong. And then it was Ultron. You know, he was going to create Ultron, and Ultron was going to keep the world safe. And, and Ultra, you know, he, they talk about how he has kind of a father-son relationship with Ultron. Um, and, and so I'm kind of thinking, like, hmm. in some ways, Spider-Man is now one more step of this. Now he's sort of being like, okay, I can't build something entirely new. But maybe I can be someone's mentor. Maybe Spider-Man can sort of be my my legacy in a way. Do, do, do you see any of that? Oh, abs- absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It's funny you bring that up. I hadn't thought about uh, that in connection. His, his connection with his father and Spider-Man also in the connection to Ultron, which he also had a father a fatherly relationship with. Yeah. Um, I, I really love how um james spader plays that father-son dynamic yeah uh in, in ultron i kind of i was glossing over that completely but yeah that's that's a very interesting correlation um and it's just tony trying to figure out what a good dad is yeah and what what when to discipline and seeing tony in that disciplinary position where he's taking the suit away mm-hmm. in, in 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 homecoming is is weird because he's you're so used to tony being the guy who give everyone the toys and the support they need, and let them do their thing. Yeah, I mean, um, if Tony's anything, he's a big, overgrown child, and he, you know, Pepper is his kind of like girlfriend. You know, we, we often joke about the um, the cliche of the kind of guy who needs a girlfriend who's also his mom. I mean, that's oh, absolutely yeah. Tony Stark and Pepper Potts. Um, absolutely. And so I think you're right. It, it's such an interesting shift when now Tony is the one, because there's got to be a part of Tony that's like, let me just see the cool things this kid can do. What's the worst that can happen? Um, yeah. And I wonder if this is him having learned some kind of a lesson. Um, so what do you think is going to happen with Tony and Spider-Man going forward? Like, do you think as Spider-Man comes into more of his own, is Tony going to be able to kind of let go and step back and like let the kid leave the nest like the way a, a good father hopefully does? Well, there's a lot of speculation going around right now uh, online and because of some casting news. And so it's almost hard to answer that yeah. without being a little spoilery. And I don't know that it's spoiler. It's just speculation, but it's it seems like pretty good speculation. Um, it's it's hard to know because I don't know who's going to survive. Yeah. Uh, Thanos and I th- I I feel really strongly that Thanos is going to kill somebody. Yeah. And so I it, so when I'm going to talk about actual predictions, it's really hard to separate from like I well, feel like. Well, let's not go into predictions then. More in terms of what do you think would happen? What do you what would you want to see happen? What do you think Tony ah, should gotcha. do as a, as a good dad? <laughs> how to be a good dad to spider-man yeah it's so it's so funny because he just has this i love you talked about whether he needs uh whether to, whether whether spider-man wants it or not at one point uh you mentioned a second ago and uh it, but maybe tony needs it and i think it's funny one of the things i love about S- spider-man is that he doesn't at all try to hide the fact that he wants a, a father figure yeah <laughs> when he goes in for that hug of from tony and he's like i'm just reaching for the door yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just letting you out of the car. I was not going in for a hug. Just so you know, this is not a hugging relationship. 
Um, which, which, I mean, if you remember, Tony's father was not affectionate with him in the slightest. Exactly. You know? So it makes sense that it would never occur to him, like, if I'm a, a father figure, some affection's got to be, some, some reinforcement's got to be part of that. Yeah, and I think I think that's that's what he's making. He's making the same mistakes in some ways that his father did. Uh, he is being the disciplinarian, which his mm-hmm. father was, and he's being the guy who pushes him to be excellent in the areas that he is talented in, uh, which his father did. Uh, but there's no real affection there yet. Yeah. And those and that's that's a huge that's a huge problem, <laughs> um, and that and that and in, in in any parenting style, of course, I think now I think what is what is going to be interesting if if we get another Spider-Man movie with a Tony Stark involved, which I I hope we do. Uh huh. Um, it'll be interesting now that Aunt May knows. Yeah. Because I could absolutely see Aunt May being kind of the surrogate for his mother. In the mm. same way that, like, his mother was encouraging and loving, and and this is this is not just a Tony Stark thing. This is almost every every family in the last couple generations. the The mothers are overly loving and overly doting, and the fathers are overly disciplinarian. Yeah. And that's just the that in our culture, that's the roles that were given out for a while. Right. Um, I, I think that's changing, and it's less true now. But, um, yeah, fathers have been. Um, well, so, cer- yeah. certainly if Aunt May can take on that role, it would help with um, – because I think the one thing that Tony Stark probably should not do is hit on Aunt May if he's trying to be a good father to Spider-Man. Like maybe that's something we can stay away from. Uh, that's going to cause all kinds of complications I think for poor Peter Parker. Yeah, um, I definitely think now that, now that, now that Pepper's back – yeah. I think there's going to be less of that. I'm sure he'll still he'll still call her hot and everything, but yeah. uh, mostly just to get on Spider-Man's nerves. I, I mean, at some uh, level, it, Tony's always going to be more of a kind of big brother than a than a father figure. I think because just he's just he never is going to quite have that full maturity of a father figure. Um, right. So, what else are you hoping to see with Tony going forward? Like, what you know, as we look, and again, not predictions as much as just like what what. If he has learned lessons from Ultron and Civil War, like what what would you hope to see? Where would you want to see his character go? You know, it's interesting. My favorite Tony is the Tony Unleashed. Yeah. So if I'm if I'm going with what I want him ethically, what I would want him to do is continue <laughs> to learn his lessons. Yeah. And like be a better man because of the things he's gone through, and like let people into his life that keep him in check, whether it's through actual governmental control, that's, that's a whole question, but uh, at least have people in his life like cap, like pepper, uh, like happy that question him and allow those questions to really resonate. Yeah. Those, that is important for Tony, Tony to grow as a character. I think that's important. And aunt may to question his parental style with, 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 uh, with, with, uh, I keep forgetting Peter Parker's name. How silly is that? <laughs> uh, I keep wanting to say Tom Holland, which is funny. Yeah. I think it's just because I keep thinking specifically of Tom Holland and not all the other Peter Parkers I've known. Oh, we've since had there's so many few, now. Yeah. We've had a lot of Peter Parkers. Um, but that th- I'd love to see. That's, I think, where Tony needs to go is, is a Tony who is letting people in his life that he trusts. Yeah. For more reasons than just they're the government. Mm-hmm. I think that's I think that's really where this this comes down is like you can't necessarily trust the government. Uh, Cap learned that you can't necessarily just trust yourself. Tony's learned that. Um, you need maybe, maybe this whole thing is about you need family. You need yeah. people close to you and people that can challenge your own ideas. And and just I guess the big ethical takeaway of the Tony Stark storyline is like. 
and the Tony Stark combined with the Captain America storyline is you need to be open to criticism. Yeah. And open to having your mind changed about, uh, you know, ethical and just decisions in general. Um, your decisions in life, you know, you're not perfect. <laughs> no one is. The word that keeps coming to my mind is accountability. You know, as I feel like these That's heroes. It. That's exactly need someone who they you know and like to, to step outside of marvel for a second but like you know batman he he seems like he does only his own stuff but he's accountable to alfred you know he has to talk Absolutely. everything through with alfred and like daredevil i think this is the difference between daredevil and the punisher like daredevil has his priest who he, he has to like be accountable to and, and and have he has that person who's will he's willing to listen to and say you know actually matt you're not quite on the right track here and i think um and when the punisher doesn't to me um, and well, I, and he, even then, he doesn't always listen. But yeah, he yeah, has that. He has some. Good. I haven't seen. We haven't seen the Punisher in action yet, but he will. He is going to have uh, at least. He he has Karen at this yeah, point. That's true. Um, and 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 it seems based on this. Have you seen the most recent trailer? I have not. No. Oh my goodness! Trailer number two, the official trailer number two. Oh wait, is that the one is, with, with the Metallica song? No. No, it's trailer um, number one. Okay. That's trailer number one. There was like a teaser. Then there's trailer number one. The official trailer number two is the one I'm talking about, and it goes a lot more into kind of the, what the story is going to be, okay. and a little more character development instead of just shoot them bang, 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 bang Metallica cool. music. Um, <laughs> and it's super good. But nice. there's like there's a good bit of Karen in there and him like uh, cool. struggling with what he's doing. Um, and I like that Karen's going to be there, but he also has a has a has has a his a uh, teammate. Well, let's not go, go into spoilers for that for folks who haven't seen oh, it. But yeah, but yeah, it, no, no, no. I'm, I'm just. It's comics and it's all this stuff. But he has, yeah. he has, he, he has a support structure of sorts. I don't know that they keep him. They definitely don't keep him in check. A lot of what keep Matt keeps Matt in check is himself. Like yeah. he, he thinks there's a line that he shouldn't cross. Yeah, he has set. Um, he has set those lines. He has set the rules for himself. He has kind of given himself his own Sokovia Accords in that way. You know, of his rules. Yeah, and um, Batman's done the same thing. And and. And so I guess maybe that's what yeah I think I'm 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 with you that with Tony I, I feel like Tony and Cap Tony Tony seems a lot more self-destructive and has obviously caused a lot more self more destruction but I have some problems with Cap as well with Cap's utter assurance in his own sort of moral certitude and his ability you know to stand like a tree and all that and that what I'm hoping more than anything is that they they wind up reconnecting as a team because I yeah. think on some level not just those two but all of them they keep each other accountable, you know. And you're right. I I like, in terms of entertainment value, Tony Stark off the hook is hilarious and is yeah. fun to watch. I would love to see him get super confident again and be that Avengers one Tony Stark before he goes into space, where he's utterly confident against a, a an alien army. Right. When he's talking to Loki and he's like, uh, like shaking a drink and talking to Loki. That's just like some of the best. Tony Stark there and, is. And especially because if he can get to that kind of a middle ground of like, I don't need to doubt myself, that's what I've got Cap for. That's what I've got Bruce for. You know, and if they tell me I'm wrong, yeah. I'll listen. But anybody else to hell with it. You know, like that <laughs> I think maybe, be... I think ahead. it'd be better if Bruce was a little more stand-up-y to Stark. Like, yeah. Bruce gets too excited about the science and like, just goes with Stark. <laughs> yeah. They're science bros and they like, and they just, they just do their science regardless of the consequences. At least that's how it's been thus far. And so hopefully. And I'm, I'm, I'll say that, uh, granted, the Thor Ragnarok movie looks like it's going to be mostly 80s heavy metal awesomeness. I'm not expecting too much death. Yeah. But I would love, to, you know, we don't get very much at all of why Bruce left. And I would, 
want, I would love to get a little bit more of if it has something to do with his connection with Stark, and if he's, if he is feeling even more guilty about Ultron and about the things that mm. happened, and if he's kind of feeling like I, you know, maybe I I do now need to stand up to Tony more, and I need to kind of push back more. Um, I think it'd be great for Tony. I think it'd be great for Bruce. Uh, yeah. No, no. I think I think that if there's going to be much depth in that movie, it's probably going to come from Bruce. Yeah. Um, because I don't think I don't think of <laughs> Thor as a very depth filled character, uh, especially the way they're portraying him in these trailers. He is yeah. he is becoming more and more of a silly character, which I think is funny. Um, and and yeah, I hadn't really thought about that, but the last time we saw Bruce was right after he helped cause this uh, incident in Sokovia. Right, and clearly, so, like part of why he's getting away is I think he feels kind of betrayed by you know everything that happened with uh, Natasha. But but yeah, yeah I, I'd love to see that. So. So we we got almost an hour, and I want to kind of start wrapping up, but um, is there any last cool. stuff about Tony that we haven't gotten into that you kind of want to uh, cover, or sort of other last ideas about Tony you think are important to, to throw into the mix? No, I don't I don't think there's anything that I'm really uh, sitting on. I really felt like <laughs> when, when we t- started to t- uh, talk about what we were going to talk about with Tony, and I, and I was thinking about it, I was like, man, I feel like I could probably just sum it up in a sense. I'm, I hope we get an hour out of this. Uh, <laughs> but, but we definitely did. We had a lot of, we had a lot of, a lot of good stuff in there. Um, but really, I think he's just a character that, um, you know, began with utter self-confidence in both his ethics and his, uh, um, and his abilities yeah. and has had that slowly taken away from him over the course of these movies. And now he is a, a character who's, not willing to make a decision and sort of second guesses himself. Even with Spider-Man, he's like, here's a suit. No, to give me the suit. Um, like he's just, he's, he's not, he, he's no longer the Tony Stark we knew and loved in the beginning. And I think that's interesting. I think I love that they have developed his character, but I, I would love to see, I'd love to see Tony Stark unleashed before the end. Yeah. Like uh, if, if Tony Stark, you know, all these contracts are getting up and stuff. And like, I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. Who's going to resign. Who's going to stick around. Uh, who's not? But if if Tony if Tony sticks around, I really would love to see Tony. Um, I'd love to see that like martini shaking Tony standing up to someone as powerful as Thanos. Like that would just be yeah. really be really great for me. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I miss that. I I think you're right because I think one thing that has happened so well in that first Avengers movie is that you know Cap is the heart and soul of the team. He's the heart of the team and he's the leader of the team and the conscience of the team. But Tony is the face of the team. You know, Tony is the bard. Tony's the one who he's going to go up and talk to Loki because, um, you know, of, of his position. I think you're right. That would be a, a great thing to see. So uh, good closing point. So um, I, I thank Matt. Thank you again so much for being on this. Um, and I want to give you a chance to talk about some of the other stuff you do. Um, and I want to just say a word oh, sure. by, myself about the MCU cast, which I, I want you to talk about and how people can find it. Um, but I, I just want to say um, for anyone who's listening to this, if you haven't found it already, the MCU cast is – um, it's 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 just a great time to sit and listen to two guys who love these properties and who think about these properties so much, dive deep into them. Um, and I wanted to tell my own quick story with it, which is that a couple of years ago, um, my mother got uh, very sick; she had cancer, um, and I was driving back and forth across the country uh, a number of times uh, going to see her. Um, and and when I wasn't, I was I was you know chatting with my friends about the Marvel movies and what was happening. And on those drives, I desperately wanted to continue that, you know. Um, and, and that was when I actually found the MCU and I probably listened to 20 or so back episodes of you guys while I was doing the drives <laughs> back and forth. And it was just so great because it, at that time when so much else was going on in my life, I need, I just, I wanted to have that just chance to hear two people talk about everything that was great about some of these movies and everything that wasn't so great. Cause you know, I love the fact that you guys are, are 
pretty your fanboys obviously but you're pretty pretty uh have no problems pulling your punches um when we talk about something <laughs> like an iron fist or or um you right. know something that doesn't land quite as well um so yeah so talk about the mcu uh cast and how people can find that well man first off thank thank you that means a lot that we could we we could be a part of that uh of helping you get through that time uh yeah. that, that's huge uh we we hear that some and, and i love i love that, that that's it because that's exactly what the show was for me i loved when i was a kid when you're a kid you have all this time on the playground and like i think of like after church me i had a best friend who i grew up with and my, my i mentioned i think i mentioned to you off air i don't think we've talked about on the cast i was a pastor's son mm-hmm. and so we would have They'd have all these meetings and stuff that I, I wasn't a part of, yeah. and me and my friend would walk outside and we'd like for hours talk about Star Trek, and and it's that that that's just playground conversations that <laughs> for years we continued doing on the phone. And as you get older, those things just those like the just just geeking out about what's going to happen and theories and bouncing yeah. around and that sort of conversations they just don't happen near as much and like i love geek like realizing an amazing thing could happen and like just buzzing with excitement about what's going to happen in this next movie or what's going to happen in this next series oh, or yeah. it's it, it's just a fun thing to do and so we uh, that's very much the spirit we started the cast with was just we're we're the marvel cinematic universe podcast we're i I'll, as I said, I grew up on Star Trek, uh-huh. and Star Trek is my where where I get my love of continuity from. Yeah. I love really deep, expansive continuity where you just have, you know, the first thing it all connects to the last thing, and there's like six series and ten movies. That's Star Trek. Um, and the crazy thing is that uh, it's not there yet, but the Marvel Cinematic Universe is dangerously close to overtaking the amount of time star trek has been on screen like wow. screen hours just yeah. because they've they've done so many shows now and all these netflix shows coming out like a couple a year yeah they're they're, they're they're getting dangerously close to overtaking the number of hours and they've actually made more movies there's more marvel cinematic universe movies now than there were star trek movies that's uh, which funny is crazy. i never thought about that yeah but you're right and it- yeah they're up to 13 no I think at thirteen or seventeen. I want to say they're like thir- I want to say it's like thirteen or fourteen movies now. I think so. And yeah. Only ele- eleven Star Trek movies, ten or eleven. Um, which yeah, it's eleven. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, that sounds right. But no, I, 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 gotta, I gotta gotta say it right. Gotta keep my nerd cred over here. <laughs> exactly. I, I I I it may, it makes sense to me hearing that that's where you guys started because that's exactly what comes across in the podcast is it's two guys who, who love talking about this stuff. But yeah, you go into depth with it. So so how can people find it uh, if, uh, if they're not fans already? Any of any of the podcatchers that you have, we should be there. Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast, that's the name. But if you don't uh, see it on your podcatcher, just mcucast.com is is where you can go. And uh, yeah, Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast on your podcatcher or mcucast.com uh, in in the web browser. Awesome. And that's where we are. Cool. Well, and thank you, man. And I also know you're doing uh, your own project. Uh, what's going on with your music? Because I want to. Uh, yeah, this was yeah. A chance so, to hear about that. Love to podcast, but that's really my side thing that I've just been doing a couple of years. My my full time job is I'm a musician, um, and I play uh, I play uh, kind of sort of a pop rock sort of thing. And uh, MatthewCarrollMusic.com cool. is where you can go and sign up for the email list and listen to a track or two there on the on the website. It's a real simple website right now. It's got like one play button where you can listen to a song <laughs> and. And like a, just a thing that says sign up, yeah. and like you just sign up, sign up for the email list. The the bigger website's coming because I'm going through this big. Uh, I've never recorded a full length album before. I've uh-huh. recorded a bunch of little like three song, four song EPs over the years, and this is going to be my first. This is like 
I've put more work into this album than I've ever put into anything else in my life. That's like awesome, man. the amount of the amount of work and time. I wrote over 80 songs for the record, and then I narrowed those down to my favorite, like 25, and then I demoed all those 25 to the point that the demos were better than anything I'd ever recorded in my life. <laughs> That's great. And those were those that did those at home, and then I took those demos to a live band, and I said. Here's the the blueprint of what we're doing, but I want to be creative. Then I spent months in the recording studio, not not in the recording studio, in in a practice space with my band, perfecting those arrangements uh-huh. and coming up with those those just cool moments that you don't get from the demo process, where yeah. you actually like the bassist goes, "Hey, drummer, what if you pause there? Or like, what if you, you know that little pull and pu- push and pull that you get with a band in, a, in an actual room together? Yeah. We, so we we did months of rehearsals and then we hit a studio and the studio is like super, like the 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 guy who was recording us is actually a guy who's recorded bands like Collective Soul. Oh wow. And stuff like that. Yeah. He's he's the he's legit. He's like really legit. Um, and his studio is really legit. And he has recorded us at, you know, much higher level than I've ever done anything in my life. <laughs> At, at my home studio everything i've ever done until now has always been at my home studio and this one i just decided i'm not going to do that i'm doing this professionally and i went in to a to a professional studio and did it and uh spent all of my money uh <laughs> all of my money and all of my time for about a year now has gone to this and it's almost done yeah we just we're about to launch it and i'm super excited oh i can't wait to hear it and i, I know um um, we'll make sure we have links uh, to all that stuff in the in the episode notes because that album is going to be uh, coming pretty soon. And um, uh, I know I, I've heard some of the demos and really excited to hear that. So yeah, um, and I should say it's like kind of '90s influenced pop rock. I guess is nice. like a sort of good if you like that sort of pop rock '90s stuff. My favorite band's Weezer. Oh, um, hu- yeah, they talk about geek rock. I mean, I'm a huge Weezer yeah, fan. absolutely. And there's at least two Marvel references on the album. Uh, <laughs> one. One that's like specifically just for fans of the MCU cast that was like an inside joke for MCU cast people that they might they might notice. I, I'm stepping <laughs> I'm stepping here into DC. I know again, Cardinal Sin. But do you know the song yeah. Aqu- Aquaman's Lament? You know, is that is that Aqu- the Mock? I'm not sure who sings it. Um, but it's basically uh, all about him being jealous of Batman and trying to convince Vicky Vale that he's so much cooler. I don't I don't think I know the. <laughs> The song myself, but my buddy Dave, who does the uh, DC on Screen podcast, yep. he is uh, he's a huge fan of a lot of that stuff. And I, and I want to say he's mentioned that one to me before. That makes sense. He, I'll send you a link to it because it's got a very kind of Weezer kind of sound, and you'll enjoy it. Um, oh, cool! Yeah. Well, th- thank you again, Matt, for so much for being on. This is a uh, really great. Um, and to all our Absolutely. listeners, thank you, Matthew. Yeah. Um, and to all our listeners, thank you guys for being a part of this. Um, Obviously, Tony Stark has been, I mean, he's literally the character who started all of this. Um, people who are the start of the MCU. Um, what are your thoughts on him? What are your thoughts on Iron Man? Um, is he a hero? Do you see him as an anti-hero? Do you see him as a villain? Um, what do you think about um, uh, Civil War? And are you much more uh, Team Cap than, than we were today? Or, or, or what do you think about what's going on with him and Spider-Man? Um, let us know. Um, I would know, um, Matt, you and I got to know each other because you were great about uh, responding to feedback like that. Um, you can oh, yeah. um, hit us up on Facebook or on Twitter, uh, both of them at Superhero Ethics. Um, and you can also find Matt, I know, on those, on those things uh, under the MCU cast. Um, you can also email us at SuperheroEthics at gmail.com. Um, we'd love to get your feedback. We'd love to, uh, as Matt was saying, these podcasts, I think for both of us, come out of the fact that we just used to sit around as kids and, and talk about these things. 
and I just I just want to keep those conversations going. So it's great to get to talk to Matt about it, but I love to talk to you guys, the listeners. So tweet at us, Facebook at us, email us, let us know what you think. Um, thank you guys all for taking part. Matt, thanks for being a great guest, uh, and have a great day.